hello and welcome to Getting to Good Enough, a podcast to help you let go of perfectionism so you can do more of what you love. I'm Shannon Wilkinson, a life coach in Portland, Oregon. I'm a recovering perfectionist who's getting better at good enough. And I'm Janine Adams, a certified professional organizer in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm lucky enough to be naturally good at good enough. And today we're talking about creating systems so that backlogs don't occur. Hey, Janine. Hey, Shannon. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Good. I'm great. I uh, got a new haircut. Not a new haircut. I got a haircut. So I'm feeling (laughs) sassy. (laughs) Why is it not new? It's not a new style? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look a whole lot different. But it's always nice to get a haircut, especially when you have short hair. Yeah. Like I I remember that. It was always like... It felt so dramatically different, even if you only got like a half inch or a quarter of an inch cut off. Right, because it starts to drive you crazy so fast Mm -hmm. when it's short, right, as soon as it starts growing. So anyway, I'm glad to have a haircut. Well, I'm sure it will make you extra sassy today. That's right. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are continuing um, uh, off of what we talked about last week on how to work through backlogs. And today we want to talk about how to prevent those pileups, how to create a system so that those backlogs don't occur in the first place. Yes, um, I love talking about stuff like this. And then, but I always feel like a disclaimer needs to be made, which is stuff happens and even when we have systems uh, designed to prevent pileups uh, you know you're probably going to get pileups so don't feel bad if you create a system that uh, occasionally fails just get yeah. back on the horse well, and we touched yeah. on that last week that um, you mentioned you know a lot of times things tend to pile up during transitions you know major transitions are mm-hmm even smaller ones. Um, And I was noticing that one of the reasons that I have a backlog is the transition of changing from 2019 to 2020. And I didn't follow my system to make that transition. Um, Right. But having that system, having a system in place allows you to remedy the situation from as soon as you make those um, transfer those files, you're in a great shape to move forward without any more pileups. Right. So systems right. are good even when they're not working for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And and I and I think it it is just worth saying that though that it's totally normal to for your systems for you to maybe not work your systems all the time. But you know, the more you can, the the fewer pileups you'll have the less backlog you'll have to work through and the smoother things will go so it's always it's nice to work towards using your systems as much as possible agreed yeah 
Uh, absolutely. I was just going to say we usually we call it backsliding, uh, organizers yes. and probably other people. And backsliding is not only natural; it, it's inevitable. I think in general. But yes. Um, like, but in fact, yeah, I'm pretty back right sure that it. we did an episode on backsliding. Oh, hey, how about that? You know, it, uh, this is what episode ninety-three. <laughs> um, I, I have no recollection of that, but I, I'm sure it was excellent. <laughs> well, we'll we'll refer we'll uh, put a link to it in the show notes, yes. so if people want to check that out, they can check that out. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, yeah, but the the things that we talked about the most last week were email. Um, mail, paper mail, and just general papers. Uh, those are right, the things filing that and so forth. Yeah, and those are the things that seem to pile up the m- most frequently for people, or or sort of are universally piling up. And um, so we thought we'd start with systems for those things. Right. So email. Um, you know. Our email clients allow us so much opportunity to prevent pileups using filters or rules or whatever the email client calls it. But taking a few minutes to set up a folder for the, a certain type of mail, maybe it's a, my example, I get a daily digest of a email um, uh, communication forum for the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals members. And I love reading it. And um, it goes directly into a folder. That, that's all that's in the folder. And I can easily see if I have an unread message in there and, and then read it. So if there's a few days where I can't read it, I might have three messages. But actually, I love reading it so much, I read it with my coffee every day. So, uh, But it's nice. It doesn't get lost in my email. Uh, inbox. It's right there, and I could either delete it when I've read it or keep it um, for a, some sort of archive, which wouldn't make much sense since it's archived on the website, but I do it anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a tendency to hang on to email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's such a great idea is and to ha- to put have the email automatically you know the more automatic you can make your systems the the easier they are to stick with Mm -hmm. and this is a great way to do that i don't right now but maybe i should given the state of my email i used to have a folder that i put um that i would have the newsletters that i really enjoyed reading go into and i called it the library and Mm -hmm. And so then I would go into the library and and peruse things to read when I had a few minutes and 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 I enjoyed being able to do that and I enjoyed having those things sitting there waiting for me so they didn't feel like you know if they're sitting in my inbox I feel like oh I have to do this but I don't have time to do it now and if I archived it then it's like it's you know out of sight out of mind. Mm-hmm. So um, having a place where they could go and it was only filled with things that I thought were interesting and fun to read, then I enjoyed going into that folder and looking for something to read. Right. It doesn't clutter up your inbox or make you feel like you have to read it under pressure when, when it's not the appropriate time when, or tempt you when you should be 
doing something else in your email inbox rather than reading the fun newsletters. Um, And a lot of people will also have um, a dedicated email address for like that when they buy make purchases online and whenever you make a purchase it seems like you end up on a newsletter and all this stuff just keeps coming and if you have an email that that's the only thing you use it for that um that stuff can land into that inbox and you can just delete it all if you want or let it what i do is let it linger for a while and then if i'm hoping i have a promo code of some sort for a place i can just search for messages from that place. But keeping those things out of my inbox, my business inbox, is really helpful. Yeah, I, I wish I would have done that. But I guess there's nothing stopping me from doing that going forward. That's right. When you're cleaning out your inbox, um, maybe that's the time to unsubscribe from stuff and then resubscribe with a different email. Uh, well, and that, might- that brings up another point that one of the systems is or one part of a email system is unsubscribing. Yes. <laughs> Unsubscribe to things you don't read. It takes so little time. And it can yeah. be really, it just, I don't know. I mean, I must have to I feel like I let an unwanted um, email, like from an, that I, don't, I didn't think, I don't think I signed up for, or I didn't remember signing up for, hit me 20 times before I finally press that unsubscribe. And right. uh, get it out of my life. Yeah. You know, and it would be like, I don't even know who this person is. And then I'll just let it sit there for a while. Like, yeah, uh, if I don't recognize it and it doesn't seem like something that I want to spend time with, get rid of it now. Right. And, and, I rem- and I'm, we can be pretty sure that whoever sent it isn't going to be insulted by your unsubscribing. Right. And I I have a little bit of a different perspective um, when I'm sending out emails myself for my list. And when someone unsubscribes, I I feel good about it. Like I feel happy that they've made the choice that this is that they've gotten the information they needed or this isn't right for them or whatever. And that they're um, taking this opportunity to get the information that's most valuable for them in their inbox. Wow, it, it's it's so nice. That's so evolved of you. I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, but no, I think that that you're right. We that's what we want for our clients. We don't want them. We want them eliminating unwanted things or excess things. And if they consider our newsletters not valuable, why should we? And plus, I don't know about your email system, but it costs me a penny for every one I send out. So. Um, <laughs> I can save money if they unsubscribe. Yeah. But I think it's just great that that when we sort of exercise that um, opportunity to... Because I, f- I feel like I've remained subscribed to things because I don't want people to feel bad if I unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then it becomes this whole weighty thing. And yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of ridiculous to think that people would feel bad, especially or that companies. they would even notice. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But, they may, yeah. but whatever. It's like, oh, it just is what it is. It's not a personal, right, thing. Yeah. So and if that, you and can and unsubscribe from those things without guilt, uh, you can make your inbox easier to deal with. Absolutely. 
and that's a huge step in the right direction of, of right. Um, preventing that the email piling up and and being able to stay on top of it right whatever you your know, inbox zero inbox a dozen inbox a hundred whatever yeah. feels right for you right and you know um trying to make a commitment to daily attention to it is so helpful right as we talked about daily yes. habits are so much easier to create and if you only have one day's worth of email landing in, in your inbox that you have to deal with um it can go very quickly uh so yeah. um giving it your attention on a daily basis i think is a great way to stay on top of email and it's just so um it takes such a burden away uh there's something about and a full a foolish inbox. It doesn't have to be ten thousand to feel bad. <laughs> ten thousand must feel terrible. But you know, even a hundred, if when mine goes into the double digits, which it does frequently, um, it just feels so good to get it down to. Uh, you know, I like to go to zero. That doesn't happen as often as it used to. But if I can get it down to twenty, I'm happy. In fact, that was my goal on my task list today: inbox twenty. Yeah, and I got it. Got it, it is to forty. Nice. Right? Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it to twenty by the time the day is over. I bet it's at forty-two yeah. at this moment. Yeah. One other thing I noticed that I was doing with email that was causing problems for me is that I would look at it when I didn't necessarily have time to deal with whatever uh, uh, whatever was in my inbox, and mm-hmm. so when I made a very conscious decision to only look at my email when I had the time and the opportunity to do something with whatever was in there. It, it was a big change. Yes, that's a great shift, right? Because so many of us yeah. check, or I, well, speaking for myself, I check my email on the slide. I'm standing in the grocery mm-hmm. store line or whatever, and then it's read. It's not marked unread. My mind's, I skips over it when I'm come, sitting down to actually process email, yeah, it's not a great scenario. Right, uh, and then it becomes so one of those things you've like seen it so many times, You, it's both um, invisible and clutter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how right. it's both of those things, but you know what but I mean? But it is, absolutely. You don't see it, but there it is, cluttering things up. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, what your strategy is to set a, um, is to, to sort of mindfully process your email and try not to look at it when you're not in that mindful mode. Yes. So it would be like um, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with my email, and then actually process the email for 15 minutes. And don't look to, at it at other times. Right. That's w- when I am managing my email at you know in the best possible way that's how it it works best for me Mm -hmm. um because that that glancing at it multiple times and not doing anything with it Mm it 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 feels like it drains so much energy from me yeah it's not helpful yeah it really isn't yeah oh that's great i think that's definitely something to aspire to and um would be a really positive shift for me. 
Oh, good. Well, and the thing is, you don't have to do that perfectly either. I mean, you can glance mm-hmm. at your email, but if you if you set maybe two times a day where you look at it and process it um, and then try not to look at it the rest of the day or, you know, or not look at it unless you have a minute or two to respond to whatever may show up. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to do everything, but just know that when you look at it, you have the time to respond to whatever email you may look at. Right, and, and so many emails don't require response. All they require to get them out of your inbox is for you to either delete them or file them or archive them. And sometimes right. that's hard to do or you know, doesn't get done. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so just taking, the, the making it a habit to try to, whether it's the end of the day or while right after you've read it to try to um, get that clutter out of your box so that the, the um, messages that actually require a reply are in front of you that can be really helpful yeah and so maybe that's maybe handling it like we were talking about last week with um, paper mail and you know, but the, you were talking about how one of the the ways to start with that is to immediately take out the the circulars and coupons and things that you don't need to hold on to and put those in the recycling bin immediately. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's what you do with your email too, is you get that low hanging fruit on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And then set a specific time later in the day when you can sit down and really respond to whatever you need to respond to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one thing I'll do is uh, mark those emails that need a response with a flag. And mm-hmm. then I'll sort the my email inbox by, with fl- by flags. I typically oh, right. only use one color, uh, but you can use multiple colors in Max Mail program. And uh, they are at the top then. So it, it, um, the rest of them are by date, but the flagged ones are at the top. So I can easily see what requires a, uh, a reply. That works well for me. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about paper and filing and mail. Okay. Um, m- m- my favorite system is the system you turned me on to, which is Freedom Filer, mm-hmm. which changed my life. No, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> you should do a Freedom Filer commercial. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Freedom Filer is is a system that um, you you buy the set and it's labels and and the thing I like about it is that you have um, two sets that one for even year and one for odd year. So you you rotate them through and that's what I was saying that I hadn't rotated my even year and odd year yet I hadn't brought the even Mm -hmm. year in and so I'm backed up for my 2020 filing Um, but short of that I generally find it so much easier to file stuff and I have set up my files um, like I mentioned before based solely on what I need for tax purposes or um, I just think about it in terms of 
what what I will need in the future. So if I need to return something, use a warranty, um, sell something, you know, whatever documents I may need to do something in the future, um, do you know my taxes, whatever. Those are those what I keep, and so those are the files that I have, and I don't have any other files. Right. Um, and that's that's it's such a great idea, and I think a critical part of stopping pileups because if so many people um, aren't as discerning about what they want to keep until they start filing Uh, and so they just throw all the paper together and then deal with it at once but if on a daily basis or however uh, however often the paper comes into your life you are setting aside for filing only those things that you know you need to keep Um, Mm -hmm. and then perhaps setting aside time on a weekly basis, or even as the paper comes in, if it's you know right. if your file cabinet is easily accessible, um, you can stay on top of it. I always tell clients, don't create a to file, file, just file. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> right. So uh, <laughs> it seems bad enough that I have a to file. It, you know, my my inbox on my desk acts as a to file pile. Yeah, and that seems bad enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we'll often create like an action box for clients to handle their incoming mail, and there, there's a temptation. Well, to, in fact, Freedom Filer comes with a to file file label, and there's a temptation to put a to file file in that box but i urge them not to because that's the one that gets full really fast yes yeah yeah we should maybe petition freedom filer to get rid of that sticker yeah maybe so yeah because <laughs> with freedom oh, as they was- say the freedom filer is very easy to file into so yeah, seth the guy who started it says it's it's easy to file into a, like into one of the monthly files as it is to throw it away you know, file yeah. it in the trash can. Yeah. Um, but I have um, my business stuff in Freedom Filer. I have, um, I converted Mike to it. We have our our personal stuff in it. And then I have my mom's stuff, my mom's financial stuff set up in Freedom Filer too. Oh, that's great. Well, we will definitely put a link to Freedom Filer in the show notes because it's, it's not just a file label set it's a filing philosophy and i think it's solid i've been using it since 2007 i think yeah Um, it's great and the and you know you don't again it's you know i sort of feel like when we were talking about ynap you don't have to use this system and (laughs) there are some benefits to using it but the the main thing is to keep it as simple as possible um and so that it's easy to file and easy to find what you need. So, right. you know, it, it needs to be, uh, I don't want to say complicated, but, and sophisticated doesn't seem like the right word, but complex. you know what I mean. I Compl- mean, as complex as it needs to be and not any more than that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about, we, we, we were talking before we hit record that, your cartooning uh, has created a certain amount of paper coming into your life. Do you <laughs> yes. do you need a process for that or system? I do. I need a place for it to go. Right now on my desk, I have 
three sketchbooks and a big pile of loose papers with cartoons on them. And then I just started an urban sketching course. And so I'm sure that's going to generate its all own piles of paper too. So I definitely need a system to um, keep all of this stuff because it's stuff that I want to keep. I love to look at my drawings and see how far I've come. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, it seems to me that one thing is to have uh, be doing your sketching in bound books so that uh, they're they're not loose papers, and that's what yeah. you're doing now. I think with your yeah, cartoon. I primarily have used bound books, but um, uh, one actually the story we told about um, when I chatted up the little girl Mia. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually sketched that because I didn't have any paper with me. It's sketched on the back of my um, order to get a mammogram. (laughs) (laughs) That's very special. (laughs) (laughs) And when I first moved to using um, watercolor brush pens, I didn't have a bound sketchbook with watercolor paper in it, and I just had sheets of it. And so I have a number of sheets before I got a notebook. Um, mm, right, and these are things you want to keep. Uh, yeah. Right. So um, I have this problem as well with my hand lettering practice. So, and I do think it's fun to keep old stuff so you can see your progress. And I just bought, um, I have a couple of, Big Zo, I believe is the brand. They're boxes, cardboard. Mm-hmm boxes with lids with that are covered in decorative paper that I bought at the container store and mm-hmm. they they're a nice size they're bigger than eight and a half by 11 but not a lot bigger and they stack nicely and um, something like that could work on if you had a shelf you could put it on you probably it's footprint is big enough that you might not want it on top of your desk um, yeah but if you have filed drawers in your desk you could also file them presumably and if I were you I'd be doing it by date or month or whatever, just so you can keep them in chronological order, because oh, that's right. part of the point, right? And keeping yeah. them. And if you're not already dating everything, maybe start. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you are, Oops. though, right? <laughs> not everything. Yeah. <laughs> Although, luckily, uh, since it's all homework, I've had to post it online, so I can tell exactly. Oh. You know, I can go online and find out when I did things. But it would—it's a good idea to go back and and put the dates on things. Um, And then I think as you're talking, I want to keep everything together. And right now I have sort of a disparate set of books and papers and things, but I think maybe um, setting aside a portion of of a bookshelf that I have Mm -hmm. in my office to put this stuff in so I can keep it in roughly chronological order, even though it's you know, not all similarly sized. And then I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to use the same size sketchbooks going forward. Oh, nice. And then they'll sit nicely on a bookshelf. Yeah. But if you used one of these boxes or, you know, some sort of container uh, on a bookshelf, flat, you know, mm-hmm. so that you could just put the next thing on top, um, if it's loose paper, yeah, then it doesn't matter how what the size is, which is nice. Right. Just put them all together. Um, and, and as did you just say this? 
or did I think it? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> that if you're putting them in, you know, if you set up a system after you've assembled all your um, loose drawings in chronological order, and the system is that you put new ones on top, then they stay in chronological order. Right. Yeah. Did you say that? I did already? not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that that's a simple system, which I love. Yeah. Simple is good. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I think that points out one of the things to th sort of think about universally when you're thinking about systems is, you know, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? And um, how, if you're saving something, how will you want to access it in the future? Mm -hmm. And so like with my drawings, it is great to be able to access them chronologically because that's part of the appeal of keeping them is to see how um, how my drawing has changed over the over the months that I've been doing mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, my my plan is to have, you know, a single sketchbook for a trip. And so then, you know, I'll, I'll be able to have those in chronological order and be able to find, you know, if I want to find something from, you know, in the future when I want to look back at something I did when I was in Portugal, then I can find that based on, you know, chron uh, the date and, um, you know, where, where I would find it on my shelf. But so think about what, why you want to access this stuff in the future and, you know, why it's important to you to keep it and how um, you will be accessing it. And it's the same right. thing for filing. You know, that's why right. I only Absolutely. file tax stuff is because that's the only things that I need. Right, exactly. Yeah, I know when, uh, when I'm working with a client who um, says, oh, I want to keep that item, sometimes I'll ask, why are you keeping it? And I'm not asking them to challenge them about their keeping it, but rather it's not clear to me and I need to know in order to figure out how to organize it. Right. So if you're keeping a piece of paper as a memento, it's completely different than if you're keeping it uh, to use um, because it has information on it that you want to refer to. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all really solid. Um, and I'm excited for you that you're going to have these hand-drawn records of your travels. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited. I got yeah. really inspired at um, my urban sketching class. The woman who taught the first one brought some of hers, and she um, doesn't even use sketchbooks. She takes big pieces of paper and cuts them and then um, stitches them together and creates these accordion books. They're amazing. So it's it feels like a travel log that you can sort of... <sighs> It's so cool. I think I can picture what you're talking about. So she can like stretch it out and see yeah. page after page. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so cool. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It's really amazing. And yeah. so and then and then things sort of run together. So it's not like one page, one page, one page. It's like thing she'll draw something over the fold. And um, mm -hmm. so Neat. she just takes up however much space she needs. And like one thing she drew was um, this symphony that they went to. And so that took up like almost two leaves of the accordion. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was just, it was so, such a great idea. I loved yeah. it. Oh, neat. Cool, cool. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so knowing why or how you want to access something, why you want to have access to it can help you create this system that will work well for whatever it is that has been piling up for you. Yep. Yep. So anything else to say about that? No, I, I think we've done it justice. Excellent. Well, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Do, do you have something that tends to pile up that you would like some thoughts on how to create a system for it? We would love to help you. You can give us a call at 413-424-GTGE. That's 4843. You can um, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Getting to Good Enough and on Twitter at GTG Enough. And then it's always great to ask questions or provide comments in on the show notes at gettingtogoodenough.com. But for now, this is Shannon Wilkinson in Portland, Oregon. And Janine Adams in St. Louis, Missouri. And we hope that good enough is getting easier for you. These shows always get me fired up to go do stuff. Excellent. Well, go do it.